0: Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Diana Deverell, the author of the Nora Doxson Legal Thriller series, the third of which, Here My Plea, is being released today. Diana, welcome.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, Steve. I'm delighted to be back.
0: Yes, I think. I'm not 100% sure. I'm like 98% sure that you are the first return guest on this show. So... Good job, you <laughs> I'm pretty thrilled. <laughs> I guess that means you're uh, you're putting out books consistently.
1: Well, yeah, it was we talked in March, I think, and oh yeah, March or April, and I was part way through this book at that time, and so I managed to get it done so we could be back in the same year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, We talked about Nora at that time, but just very quickly, give us uh, a thumbnail sketch of your heroine, Nora Doxon.
1: I wanted to write about Nora because um, she grew up on the wrong side of town. And she, and she had a very unfortunate relationship with her mother, uh, got into trouble as a teenager, uh, ended up in jail, and it was there that she developed her interest in becoming a lawyer. And I think that uh, I was very interested in what kind of skills she might have picked up along the way that would serve her better than than you might expect when she's dealing with the unfairness that pervades the criminal justice system. So uh, for me to uh, start with her when she's just beginning and then to follow her as she gets a handle on what she's doing and gets uh, more interested, and then going on in this third book to meet an altogether new challenge, that's been a
0: delight. Yeah, it's interesting. The Nora books, there's a sense that someone has been incarcerated unfairly, and she's trying to get them off. Uh, this third book doesn't really start out that way. It it uh, it, it starts out a little bit differently. So c- sort of give us the setup for uh, Hear My Plea, if you would.
1: Okay. Well, in general, uh, what Nora has a talent for is relating to people uh, that most of us would have difficulty relating to. She can see past prison tattoos and uh, past a prisoner's anger and hear what they're saying and, and be very interested in helping them. And that doesn't matter if they've been convicted of rape and murder or what. She has a completely open mind. But it turns out that, that Nora doesn't have quite such an open mind when it comes to people that are on the establishment side. So in Hear My plea, she gets a client that she cannot believe is wrongfully condemned. She's so sure that this guy was locked up with good reason that she almost doesn't want to talk to him. But circumstances compel her to look into it, and then that, what would I call, Mm -hmm. open-mindedness, open-mindedness of hers kicks in, and she starts getting all kinds of conflicting information that challenges, you know, the prejudice that she had. So, that was very interesting to do that. Um, I was... In part, I was inspired by uh, Anatomy of a Murder, which is a a legal thriller from 1958 by Robert Traver. And the defense attorney in there gets a client that he really doesn't like. He doesn't like him at all. And that drives the plot uh, in such an interesting way as he tries to get the fellow um, uh, acquitted of of murder that he committed. So it was a little twist uh, (laughs) in... Michigan law that allowed it to happen. It became a movie by Otto Preminger. It was starring Jimmy Stewart, but it always stuck in my mind this idea of how can you be a lawyer when you're just really dislike your client? And so I had all I wanted to find out what Nora would do, and I've got to tell you, she surprised me <laughs> where she went
0: with that it's interesting in this book in a lot of series books uh, the author will take several books to establish sort of a pattern and and let's say the pattern in these books is that Nora sees uh, takes on a client that she believes is innocent and she fights like the dickens to to free them because they're innocent and what a lot of authors do is after several books, they might take a different angle on maybe book seven or eight or nine. You did it in the third book, which I find interesting.
1: I I got a little, the first two books uh, involve a lot of uh, use of DNA. The new technology in testing DNA has been responsible for a lot of convictions being overturned because they were found, they found that the person was innocent and, Uh, I wanted to to write this time about something that did not involve DNA just so that I could have a change. And that's what led me uh, to this
0: situation. Now, Nora's these books are set in the state of Washington. You live in the country of Denmark. And uh, we were talking before we started recording that there's actually a direct flight for for you from... uh, from a local airport there to Seattle, and uh, it takes 10 hours to get there. So that's not, that's not terrible. Sometimes it takes me 10 hours to get from here to Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you get back to Seattle?
1: Oh, about uh, once a year. I have to go twice next year because my high school reunion occurs at a different time from a workshop
0: I want to go to. So <laughs>
1: tough darts, you know.
0: All right. Uh, workshop. Where, where's the workshop?
1: Oh, Lincoln City, Oregon. I'm, uh, uh, I am went two years ago to an anthology workshop there and I really came away with um, a lot of short stories that are very useful. In fact, uh, one of them will be in uh, Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine in January. Is something that I wrote two years ago. So I'm pretty thrilled that I can go back and have this experience of intensely trying to write for particular editors and then getting their
0: feedback that was real helpful is this is this another short story thing that you're going to in it is. washington it is. or oregon oregon
1: yeah in oregon and uh, we'll get writing assignments for six dish- six different issues of fiction river but there's 50 writers there so we won't all sell all our stories but i wrote five stories last year and sold one there and two more elsewhere so it's just a real good experience the feedback is just amazingly
0: helpful and then the networking is very nice too and what's the difference between writing long uh, a novel and writing a short story in your mind what's what's the what's the biggest difference
1: the, I, th- I think ha- i have when i write a short story i pretty much have to shrink everything down to a much smaller level i when i'm writing about my series character who's an fbi agent it's just one small case it's just her and usually and whatever criminal she's trying to apprehend and it's it's very rarely murder it's i mean i've done trafficking in women and insurance fraud and all kind of things because i need to keep it within 6000 words and there isn't all that elbow room for the, mm-hmm. the introduction of other characters or
0: subplots or anything like that. Is there is there a standard like six thousand, or is that just for this particular publication that you're currently targeting?
1: Oh, I, I pick six thousand because it's a good length for me. But uh, okay, uh, it's also easy. Uh, I mean, Alfred Hitchcock, for example, will take stories ten and twelve thousand words, mm-hmm. but not very many of them. Uh, it's easier to market a shorter story. Particularly if it's a new market, so try try to keep it, you know, 6,000 words, because I can I can cover the issue pretty well in that, and it also it, um, it it will be easier to sell.
0: What's the most important thing in writing a short story? What's the most important component of the story itself? Well, I'm not sure if I if I have a good answer for that. Uh, I ask only because I'm editing four of mine right now, and I want to be sure I have in whatever you're going to say, whatever pithy answer you give us.
1: I guess it's that somehow in the space of that short time, you want to come away uh, leaving your reader with a sense of some kind of resolution, some kind of completion uh, affecting the reader. And that can be kind of hard to do. It's It's part of why you need to narrow it down. It doesn't always have to be a happy ending or even a... A complete final ending but at some point there has to be a sense of of that we've rounded it off here and that you know we're not just uh, having a slice of life but there's some sort of an arc
0: okay that's a great answer and i think i'm okay so yeah, you're, you're making good. me feel good there all right we, I men- can't wait. <laughs> we mentioned that you live in denmark do you live in a huge city in denmark
1: No, I don't. Uh, Our first 10 years here, we lived in Copenhagen, which is the capital of the country, but it's uh, only a million and a half people, so it's not a huge uh, European capital. It was pretty manageable. But now uh, I live in a rural village with less less than 500 people, so that is a
0: shock. (laughs) you I am a subscriber to your email newsletter, and I would encourage every listener to subscribe because you send out little tidbits about life in Denmark and I think it was the most recent one, or maybe uh, two uh, two emails ago. you mentioned sort of a community meal, a community get together that you referred to as a pig out on the fall harvest moon. What's what's it like? Give us a little sense of what it's like in living uh, to live in a village in Denmark, because most of us well, don't.
1: <laughs> that's so true. It's, it's a we we haven't been here that long, and I'm still getting used to it. Uh, I guess I need to point out that Denmark raises a lot of pork, and in my village, it's free-range pork. Um, and so, when we talk about the halt fall harvest here. Uh, sure, there's some pumpkins and so forth and so on. But the main thing is that they're butchering the pigs. And so there's some, uh, I mean, it's startling to me to go to the menu that we had this last time. Uh, I've not had a main dish that involved three kinds of pork <laughs> in a single in a single dish.
0: <laughs> you you'd almost have to fear for your own health safety having a dinner like that. Well, you wouldn't want to like eat that. it
1: every day, but oh, well... I don't know anybody. Most people are very happy to have bacon uh, added to anything they're eating. I hadn't expected that we'd also have Vienna sausages when the main piece of meat was a, a boneless pork chop. So it was—it was quite tasty, though.
0: All right. Now, in the email, you referred to that boneless pork chop as jägerschnitzel.
1: That was the Dan- that's the Danish name and also the German name, and it's um, I'm not entirely sure. What schnitzel means other than that the meat is breaded, uh, but the first part jäger means hunter. So okay, this is a it's sort of like a chicken fried steak for hunters, if you will.
0: And and because, every... uh,
1: certainly they don't go
0: out and hunt the meat that goes into it. That's that's all farm raised. Every schnitzel that I've ever had has been like they take a meat tenderizer and just. Beat the daylights out of it. Is that was it that kind of thing where it's just sort of like really tender and thin and breaded and fried and delicious?
1: Yes, you've got that very close. I'm not sure that they had to beat it very hard because the pork here is incredibly tender. You know, it's a real nice piece of white meat and it's sliced very thin. Now you see it's getting close to my dinner time we can't stick to this too long I'm getting too
0: enthusiastic All right now how many people show up for this community dinner in a community of 500 how many were there
1: Oh I don't uh, let's see there must have been 100 150
0: Really no. yes. That's amazing Oh uh,
1: well it's a it's um well it's just very nice it's a it's not a potluck you know it's a, a buffet dinner and there's a, the the community center has its own chef and and uh, being Denmark, of course, alcohol is also available. <laughs> Nothing is held back here. In the... <laughs>
0: there now, are. There's a reason they're the happiest people in the world. So wh- what's it like for you to sit in your office and write novels about a character in Seattle while you're in a little village? In It's a, an island-type village, isn't it, in Denmark?
1: Right. We're, we're on a fairly big-sized island, but yeah, there's... To the, main, to the mainland, we'd have to cross bridges for sure. Uh, what's it like... I, I guess I would have to quote Hemingway here because uh, he, he wrote um, his novels that are... He usually was not in the place where his novel was set when he was writing. When he was in Europe, he'd be writing about Michigan or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways uh, it's part of... I don't know if it's homesickness, but it certainly forces you to work a little harder to try to recall and remember things that are not right in front of you. I actually enjoy it. I was when I was living in Oregon, I was writing novels set in Poland, so it's not must be part of my nature too that it's easier for me to figure out what details are most important if I have a little distance if you want to put it that
0: way. Do you find yourself Looking up at the end of a writing system and, and or uh, at the end of a writing session and sort of shaking yourself and saying, Oh, I'm not in Seattle, I'm here in Denmark?
1: It, it, it's not quite that immediate, but I sure do wake up in the middle of the night and have to remind <laughs> myself that I'm not back in my story, that I'm in Denmark and I'm not in Spokane right now.
0: So, Well, Diana, as you know, I'm a big fan of this Nora series, and I think Hear My Plea is the best book in the series so far. Where can listeners find the book?
1: Oh, it's available at uh, all. It's it's available in ebook only, and it's available from all the major ebook retailers. Uh, certainly, Amazon, Kobo, Nook, iBooks, and Smashwords uh, should have no trouble locating it.
0: Okay, and it's available beginning today, which is release day. So, congratulations on the release. What's the best way for people to keep up with you? I've mentioned your newsletter a couple times. I bet you're going to suggest that we subscribe.
1: I certainly think that's a good idea. I have such fun with it. It's um, I try to keep it short and snappy. Uh, a few words about how my current writing project is going, and then if I've had an experience that I think people would like to hear about, I'll throw that in too. So it's uh, uh, quite a nice way to stay in touch, and uh, I actually get replies to it from people uh, encouraging me to go one way or the other or try this or that. So
0: it's and that's fun. It's a more lot of chat people even. A lot of people don't realize that an author would, would encourage them to just click the reply button and, and start a dialogue.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm just very happy when they do because I, I certainly learn a lot from a, a nothing like feedback.
0: And the URL for your website where people can sign up?
1: It's uh, www.dianadeverell.com
0: Diana, thank you so much for being here again. And being our first two-time guest.
1: (laughs) Wow, this has just made my day. Thanks a lot, Steve.
0: This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do stop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Hear My Plea from Diana Deverell. Thanks for listening.